Fuck it. We'll do it live. WNBC. Welcome back to another episode. Oops, kicking my camera. So professional here, right? Another episode of Hard Out, my favorite movie with Alex Sterling. A guy I met. Cheers. I'd say 12, 13 years ago. Just a couple drunken run-ins after Brewers games at our buddy Brian Dunnigan's place. Brian's supposed to come on here actually to talk about this film, The Congress, trying to nail down a time with him, but uh, that should be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know if you've seen The Congress. I haven't seen it, but he's been singing its praises for fucking years. So I'm like, this would be a good reason to actually watch it. Yeah, I would say. Talk to him about this. Yeah, absolutely. But we're here to talk about your favorite movie, which you reached out to me about. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, like I said, a fan of your guys. Um, and uh, it was one night just uh, after a couple glasses of wine. Ah, uh, see, you made a drunk dial and I roped you in. <laughs> yeah, said yeah that. pretty much. Pretty much. I, was, I was thinking about it and how, you know, just applied to a, a lot of things kind of going on. And um, yeah, I was, thought it would be a good, good piece of uh, film to talk about. So we're here to talk about the basketball diaries, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. I love this fucking movie. Um, they don't make them like that no more. No, sure, no. It, they don't make them like that no more. To the point that you can't find it. It's only yeah. on physical media. It's been buried, it's been scrubbed from the internet. Yeah, it's uh, you know, not a lot of people know about it. You know, and even considering the actors and, and a lot yeah. of. The, the careers that it it helped develop you know and um even you know the the author jim carroll who who, you know based on his his book and journals uh growing up Mm -hmm. not a lot of people are aware of that and right you know even people have seen the movie it's like they forgot it's a biopic and shit even you know right right because he died basically penniless like so many greats do you know he was working on a novel i think when he died yeah, he, I mean, he was delved into the New York art scene, you know, um, poetry readings, and uh, he had a band, his, you know, some of his music's actually displayed in the film. Those and, are people who died. Fucking awesome yeah. song. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, everyone he knew died. Not, not really people, you know, that he talks about in, 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 in the book, you know, which is crazy. Um, and uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right, for people who don't know, the movie Basketball Diaries, starring a young Leonardo DiCaprio. This is one of his early roles when he was just like a firebrand dramatic actor up there with like this boy's life, plus Eden Gilbert great, you know, just killing it before he became a huge teen heartthrob and shit, you know. Right, yeah, pre pre Titanic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pre Titanic, um, pre Romeo and Juliet even, which started it all, I think. But uh yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Romeo plus Juliet, sorry. <laughs> um marky mark i think it might be his first film role um and fun bit of trivia leonardo dicaprio almost dropped out of the movie because he refused to be in a movie with fucking marky mark quote unquote <laughs> eventually after like six meetings with Wahlberg, he <clears throat> he uh caved in <laughs> let him be there in. were a few uh stars in this that went on to soprano's fame Michael Imperioli, um, the therapist. What was her name? I forget. Dude, but, Lorraine Bracco. Uh, Lorraine Bracco. Yes, yes. Yep. She was in uh, Goodfellas too. Uh, dude, I forget everybody's name. It's not. Yeah, no. What's his name? <laughs> Big Pussy. He got puked on yeah, by yeah, somebody. Yeah, yeah, I'm 
on the Bears. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, was Bruno Kirby ever in Sopranos? He should have been. He might have died before Sopranos. No, he yeah. lived to like 2010, I think. That was the basketball coach. Yeah, that's yeah. a good question. I feel like he might have, but hmm. he's another classic actor. Good Morning Vietnam. He was fucking amazing in. Yes. He was in that movie, The Freshman, with Marlon Brando and Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Yeah, he goes um, back. Bobby is in The Sopranos. Uh, What's his name? Chris uh, Christian. Uh, Chris Imperi- or Yeah, Chris Montesanti. Montesanti. That's yeah. uh, Michael Imperioli. That was one yeah. Chris mentioned. He's fucking awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, he has and his for own those- podcast now. Yeah, he does. Actually, um, two of them, Steve Sharippa and him, I think, do yes, a Sopranos so. podcast. Yeah. I haven't listened to it, but I was aware of it. Yeah. And, um, goddamn, blanket on another name, Adriana Drea mm. DiMario has one with uh, someone else from the show. I forget who. About the Sopranos? Well, I think a lot of it is they'll have guests on mm-hmm. who were from the show and stuff. Well, the one Imperioli and Sharippa do, it's actually, they are rewatching the series. And after every oh, yeah. episode, they'll do a podcast about it, which right. makes me want to rewatch it and listen to their show. Yes, but, that would be awesome. And then they have do guests in on tandem. So, yeah. yeah. So, Basketball Diaries. Man, I wish, <laughs> I don't know if you saw our Dead Poet Society episode. Could you imagine getting some cash from this shit? Get Leo and Marky Mark. Like, oh, they were nobodies back then, and now they're fucking massive. <laughs> And we just oh. reviewed something else with both of them in it, The Departed. Yep. That's yeah. it. Well, that's it. You know, you, yeah, you watch like how they both their careers have developed since, you know, that movie was made and, and, and then come full circle in The Departed, you know, it's like, just mm-hmm. amazing. For me. Um, Why is this your favorite movie? Um, or one of your favorite movies? It, it, it just kind of was one of those uh, really taboo movies growing up, like uh, in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, which is, you know, small town, college town, um, that and kids. And, and for my, you know, my older brother and kids. his friends had, mm-hmm. you know, watched it and it was really pre Columbine and all of that. And but that, you know, specific scenes. Yeah, a trench coat mafia, like almost almost exactly right. There's, right. There's a, for those who don't know, in the movie, there's a school shooting scene in which he's wearing a black trench coat and running around with, I think, a shotgun. A fantasy scene too, which is yeah, kind yeah, of gross that he's. Uh, yeah. But and that was one of the things when I wondered why is this movie scrubbed, and I had forgot all about that scene. And then when I mm-hmm. watched it again, I was like, oh, that's probably why <laughs> yeah. it scrubs. Yeah, the school shooting right. scene, but that's still absurd. The stuff to me. with the coach too, possibly weighing into that, but. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Let I mean, but is, Jer- is the song Jeremy? Is that video still out there from Pearl Jam? Because that's know. a school Good shooting question. thing. You know what I mean? It was it's one like- in um, American Horror Story too. I watched the first season of that waves back, and there was a school shooting scene. Hmm. I think actually it, it went down in the you know it was like a flashback, but it wasn't even fantasy in it. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so it's not entirely taboo, so it's weird. I, I don't even know that this movie's been suppressed so much. I was kind of joking about that, that like it may just be more forgotten than suppressed, you know? It's crazy to me. I think just the Leo of it and the fucking Mark. I know, it is bizarre. It. Yeah. Yeah, it would it would get more more recognition. And, and the fact that, you know, how it's done and filmed, I mean, it, it's, it's actually a, a, a great movie, you know, and a lot of movies that are based on, uh, you know, biographies or optics are you know can turn to complete crap and mm-hmm. uh, it definitely has that energy yeah it does it does and like as a like as a youth like i you know you kind of identify with with certain aspects of the film and um 
like you know, what the we, drug addiction stuff and everything did you get into that world well you know i think everyone experiments with with sure not, you know still but, am <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know yeah i could definitely identify with 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 watching and, and having friends that you know you could see their addictions take off and how easily mm. it could take off and the excuse that you use and um you know yeah our athletes like playing sports at that time you know you, you like think that you know certain people wouldn't lead a certain lifestyle you know and it, that kind of brings that to light you know like your mm-hmm. star mm-hmm. basketball players could be you know yeah in the bathroom stalls you know snorting heroin i mean that scene where they're <laughs> there's a basketball scene in this movie that is one of the great scenes as far as how this film was shot with a certain energy and verve and everything where it's marky mark mark Wahlberg, whatever sorry dude <laughs> i know he's tried so You're hard to, marky mark to us. yeah exactly uh, we have a marky mark story i don't think we've actually told on our departed one that i should tell that's true podcast, yeah, I should get into that. um and DiCaprio and their other little buddy who's kind of like their factotum mascot he's not on the team he's like the team manager but he helps get them drugs and shit and they all hang out and uh there's actually four of them but the other teammate at this point had started breaking off and he's just focusing on getting his life together and shit as these guys go spiraling down the drain but uh they have these bags of drugs and they don't know exactly what the fuck they got they're like is it fucking upper is it a downer i don't know man just fucking give me some before the game because they need something I just want to feel different it's some kind of quaalude or something i can relate to that yeah exactly yeah yeah they play a game on ludes or some shit and think of the wolf of wall street scene the amazing quaalude scene in that of mm. less fucked up like they only took a little yeah. rally but to play a high which school which is funny that was DiCaprio too man yeah, yeah he's I know, all he's over the place experience playing you know <laughs> all fucked up on pills yeah in an actual school competitive game and he shoots a free throw that goes like three feet and shit dude <laughs> that was beautiful and it's all set to riders on the storm by the doors which mm, yes. is fucking amazing dude yeah the use of music in this movie is sick too mm. dude it is. It's a great soundtrack. Well, the guy who directed it, Scott Calvert, this was like it. He made one other movie a few years later, and I think he died by suicide like 10 years Damn. ago or some shit. Left a wife and two daughters or something behind, but he was a music video, a prolific music video director in the 90s and shit. So it does have some of that feel to yeah. it, but uh, to its benefit, though, I think. For yeah. all this drug culture shit, yeah. for you know, little fever dreamish of it, you know, exactly. Spots, and you know. a lot of the camera, you could argue, is a little overactive, but for this, mm-hmm. for that youthful yeah, it, energy, this rebellious shit, it, it helped it along, I think, too, just pacing wise and stuff. Kind of kept it you, your interest on that level, too, you know, that mm-hmm. if it were just more straightforward, you know, I don't know, it just added value, I'd say, yeah. It like imparts like the ride they were on, like yeah. it feels like the ride of their crazy youth and shit, you know. That scene where they were playing basketball in the thunderstorm. I love that shit. Yeah, that was after their buddy, Michael Imperioli, died. So that's one of the things that... Well, it's interesting. You talked about your buddies and friends you had as kids that would use drugs and you wouldn't expect it. And it's always a... You always wonder what makes one person be able to use something casually and the other person just get hooked. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, that you have the addictive personality because of whatever trauma you're trying to deal with and it's some kind of might pain be genetic usually. and biological too yeah i don't but, even um, know if it, it's a necessary pain, pain induced or or a, a mm-hmm. you know 
some sort of experience. I think some people are just predisposed to yeah. personality. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm one it's of probably them. a bit of, <laughs> yeah. of all of it, you know, for different people. It's different so you had factors. a pretty good upbringing as far as you didn't have any traumatic shit or no not 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 really not until um you know i was i was about 17 and my my older brother had passed away in Mm. a traumatic um way and uh partially that's that's how uh you know i i moved out of uh stevens point into uh my dad's house in rockford and he had just moved in this house and there was some books and the basketball diaries was one of the books Mm. left over in the house and so i read it you know and then so you read it prior to, to seeing the movie yeah yeah oh, I, okay. I you know heard about it you know it was something like i said my brother and his friends had talked about and i just wasn't allowed to see it and um you know and then i read the book and i was like wow it's, it's an incredible incredible story and then watched you know got the somehow was at uh you know uh Hollywood video at that point in time or a blockbuster when they were still open. And oh, yeah. It was like, cheers to blockbuster. Actually, cheers <laughs> to Hollywood video. That was better than blockbuster. Right. Yeah. I know that, you know, that last, the last blockbuster documentary is out too. I haven't seen it yet, but you know, it's about what it says. But um, some people have said, well, let's not get too nostalgic about mm-hmm. blockbuster because it actually displaced a lot of ma and pa, smaller, you know. And they were cunts uh, about late fees and shit. And stuff. Yeah, so we famously we paid do have a nostalgia for it, but yeah. we were to see Beavis right. and Butthead. We paid forty eight dollars <laughs> in late fees one night to see Beavis, Beavis and Butthead. Butthead do America. <laughs> anyway, um, oh shit, did you freeze? Oh, or are you just still there? there he oh, is. He's yeah, back. there we go. He's back. Sorry, yeah, yeah, he froze I, up I, for a second. Yeah. My internet connection is getting a little goofy here for some reason. It's all good. Well, that's interesting, man, that you read the book first, because I still, it's one of those books I was meant to go read after seeing it and never got around to. Mm-hmm. But uh, did you, so you think, having read the book, that they did a good job adapting it? I do. I think, I mean, you know, it's never going to be perfect in, like, how you envision it. And, um, you know, I knew the actors in, involved. So, like, when you read something, you, you normally, like, paint your own vision of the actors. Um but, you know, having known that like Leonardo DiCaprio and, and, and Mark Wahlberg and all these other actors were um, in the film uh, prior to reading it, it's, it's kind of how I envisioned it. And OK, it, so you had cast it that. Yeah. Already yeah, because you yeah. were aware of the casting. Et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. yeah were you uh, were you one of those guys? A lot of dudes grew up haters of Leonardo, just jealous or whatever it was or thought he was a pansy and shit, et cetera. You know what I mean? Were you did you like him? No, I, I like I remember him in this role in Growing Pains. Yes, um, his first role. and I thought he, I like thought he was a good actor. And like as a kid, I was like, you know, always thought it would be cool to be a childhood actor. You know, right? And I was like, oh man, and he, you know, from that that point on, I actually was a fan. And you know, I you know, Tremors three, <laughs> that was his first movie. Well, was Tremors three. Or no, Critters. Critters 3. Critters, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> he was in Critters 3. Um, yeah. There was a good movie. I saw an interview with him he was talking about. Man, what the fuck was it? It was a really good movie that he was in, but they cut him out of his first true role. Hmm. Like a famous movie we all know that he was in for like a scene. It's just some side character, but he was so bad in it. They just cut him out of the fucking <laughs> movie. I'm going to have to look that up, but... You know who was supposed to play Jim Carroll at first? They had two people attached. Anthony Michael Hall 
was the first guy attached to play him. Which Anthony Michael's awesome in Breakfast Club and shit like that, but when he grew up a bit, you know, um, Edward Scissorhands, Johnny B. Good, shit like that, he started getting beefier. I'm sure he could have got fucking scrawny to play Jim Carroll, Mm -hmm. but Right. Didn't would have been like a drug addict, yeah. Yeah, but who knows though? Actors we yeah, underestimate yeah. them all the time. For the role. But get this. Leo actually kind of looked like Jim Carroll. You think he's like maybe too pretty yeah. to be him or whatever. Jim Carroll's a good looking athlete, you know, had oh, yeah. the same kind of hair and shit. But yeah. River Phoenix was supposed to play him and he fucking uh, died. Oh yeah. yeah, that would have been that would have been good too, good man. For the part. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he would have killed it. You know? He was yeah. so good for the party, uh, yeah. Yeah. Method acted his way right out of it, right. should, essentially. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, unfortunately, that would have been good. But yeah, yeah, you hear those stories that back in those days it was Leo, River Phoenix, and that Jonathan Brandis kid who also died. I think he hung himself or some shit. The cat from yeah. Ladybugs. Yeah, the three of them were like always up for the same roles and shit. And Leo was like, the only reason that I won is I just didn't do hard drugs. That's it. Yeah. Like otherwise, yeah. I might, might not have the career I had because they just fucking both went down that road. You know, huge difference, yeah. man. I I've never done heroin. I never will. But it looks awesome. <laughs> like it looks like it's oh. probably a fucking bl- like that scene in Pulp Fiction. You know, after he shoots up and he's in his car and the wind in his hair and the music the and it's, yeah. oh, it looks amazing. <laughs> but, Absolutely, yeah. The, the way they. I mean, I'm sure there's a reason that people fucking destroy their lives over it. You know, you know, requiem for a dream. You know, yes. You're like, yeah, this is awesome. And then you're like, right. oh, and no. then you watch the end of the movie, and then you're like, okay, that's why I don't do it. Don't you guys, the best description ever. You remember that movie Rush with Jason Patrick and Jennifer Jason Lee? Amazing movie if you haven't seen it, but there's this yeah. big fat black drug deal. He's like, he makes them shoot up because they're undercover cops. He wants to make yeah. sure they're not, but he makes them shoot up and he says, feels like floating on a cloud of titties. Don't it? <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds pretty good. Sounds sublime. Right, right, <laughs> I right. could go for that. Then you you get sick or die, you know. Right. Right. And I'm a cloud man personally, so it sounds awesome. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Cloud, we get it. Um, River Phoenix would have been fucking amazing, but here's the thing: studio executives wanted to settle set it in Seattle. Yeah, that would have that would have deterred from it. Why? It's a biopic that took place in New York. Like what? studio meddling man so weird yeah that would have i mean that that, i mean is it just because seattle is just the heroin mecca is that you know could be (laughs) oh yeah we could just yeah when when, pioneer square and just you know add them into the film and it will be perfect yeah this is like early come out Okay. Um, I think it was so. 90. Yeah, it could have been you know because the the grunge scene and stuff. They wanted to like take advantage of it, and they thought it'd be you know more congruent with the scene at the time. Ninety five came out. Yeah, twenty six years old. God damn! Right, time I, flies. <laughs> uh, it's absolutely. It's one of those movies. You're like, man, they didn't come out that long ago, and you're like, son of a bitch. Twenty six uh, years. You know. You know Jane Silent Bob right back. I was like, oh, that movie's not that old. And when the sequel came out, and I was like, holy shit, it is, it is that old. <laughs> and the crazy thing about that is when we we're were that kids, old. Yeah, and we're a little older than you, I'm sure. Um, I know I'm older than Dunnigan by a good seven or eight years or something, but I remember and I got four on Jay. So like when you're in the nineties and the Wonder Years came out, it was in the sixties. So you're like 30 years removed. But we're like that far removed from the nineties now. 
Yeah. And that shit seemed like ancient history, you know? Like, that's so crazy. Whole, Time's whole, a motherfucker. Yeah, absolutely. They're remaking the Wonder Years now. Oh, no. With a, I think it's a black family's perspective of it. But, uh, but when the Wonder Years, I read a thing when the Wonder Years debuted, it was as far from the Vietnam War as we are now from the invasion of Iraq. Wow. Because <laughs> it came out like in the late 80s. Doing a, a black family is interesting for that period with the civil rights and everything. Right. Yeah. yeah a lot of people are bitching about it. Like, why is everything got to be remade black? But it's like, dude, there was a whole, like that show didn't show at all this whole other perspective of America, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, we no, have the white version that you can, you know, one episode is great. <laughs> right. They'd have like an episode that touched on it or something. Yeah, yeah, right. The token episode, so to speak. Right, right. But yeah, no, that absolutely. And, you know, not a lot of people get that perspective um, from the other side of the coin on in that era. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Here's an, a fact about it. It says fact number two. I found a pretty good list on mental floss effects about it. Um, director Scott Calvert had read the Basketball Diaries when he was 15 years old and compared it to Catcher in the Rye. He said nobody really wanted mm, to make the yeah, movie. Holden Caulfield. He said someone in the locale changed to Seattle because Seattle was cool. We've dealt with these executives too. That is how it is. Let's put it in Seattle. It's, it's like, bro. <laughs> exactly. Someone wanted to change it so Jim wasn't the one involved in drugs. <laughs> Did you imagine oh, Jim no. Carroll? Jim Carroll's already He's the square of the group, the straight edge. Yeah, like what are you just like? Uh, man, you gonna take my life? Who are these people? Just get out of the way. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. How, the, how do you how do you even film that? Like you know, he's at the height of his right. career, and then you just cut to him right. reciting poetry at the end. Exciting, <laughs> right? <You know>? Boom. <laughs> Instead of uh, the big blow up with his mom at the end, he just makes her a nice dinner or whatever. Like, yeah, this is compelling. <laughs> that scene too at the end when he, you know, was trying to get it back in the house and the mom wouldn't let him in. Heartbreaking. That was shit. powerful. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And and you know, for like a parent, you know, that's ne- yeah. next uh, next to uh, losing a child. That's that's probably got to be one of the worst nightmares that you can imagine. Is it's almost worse mm-hmm. i would think because you know they're gone you have that pain but they're not suffering like that you know i thought the same thing watching it now mm-hmm. as a parent like could you imagine if your kid like hopefully it is about pain and trauma and shit because my kid hasn't had any i would yeah. love to not see him grow up right i'm a fucking junkie you know right <laughs> yeah. number one number one goal man <laughs> pretty much no, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> you know, especially, you know, certain predisposed, like, hereditary traits. I'm like, yeah. oh, we got some of them, yeah. too. Yeah, give, give, them, give them the, you know, the best life that you can, like you said. And, you know, I see what, you know, you and, and your son do um, online a lot, you know, and it's it's always refreshing, you know. Same, dude. I love you and your kid. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I feel like kindred spirits in that regard. Yeah. I never thought I'd be a dad, never wanted any part of it. Fucking but it's definitely one of the most rewarding. I mean, the most rewarding thing in my life, but one of the most rewarding things anyone could do if they buy into it. You got to just say, fuck my life to a degree, fuck my dreams and buy into that. Otherwise, I mean, we're still trying to make things happen dream-wise, screenwriting-wise, filmmaking-wise, but it all takes a backseat and it kind of has to or else you're just not doing it right. 
Absolutely. That's I it. don't have kids and it's taking a back seat. So. <laughs> Being <laughs> an uncle. You know, yeah, you got, you got the uncle factor there, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it, that's, that's one of the things that's wild. And, you know, like watching that film now and, and like, you know, like feeling for his mom and, and uh, you're just like, God damn, like. Well, part of it is divorce. It's like a vampire at the door, you know, like it's, it's kind of had this like let me in you know kind of um a monkey paw sort of vibe or something to it this horror you know that was horror that scene of him yeah running through the door it, 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 mm-hmm. it gets very dark like you know it this it starts off and it's it's like these you know rebellious kids and you know and then it it yeah it, it needs a picture it just takes a very dark turn, turn. <laughs> slip streams into the yeah just uh as it should slip and, slip and slides into this fucking uh nightmare yeah and hopefully the kids who watched it you know, it was a cautionary tale to a degree, but usually people do have mm-hmm. to find out for themselves, unfortunately. But uh, that, hey, we're having fun with all this shit now, but man, a couple turns of the dial and we're fucking letting some creep suck our dick for $10 in a fucking subway, you know? Right, uh, right, yeah. Yeah, man. that was a low point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would, I, would, I, would, I would say so, yeah. I mean, for that guy who was sucking his dick, it was the high point of the movie, but <laughs> from perspective, you know, staying on our desks for a minute here. Um, here's a, when you talk about screenwriting and shit, it says Brian... Gollabuff, who wrote the script, he, as a teenager, used to follow Jim Carroll around Greenwich Village in the huh. 80s, watching him play music and shit. So imagine that, that's though. Interesting, as yeah. is, that's a great win. I mean, he probably didn't make mm-hmm. shit money-wise and everything on a gig mm-hmm. like this, you know? But to follow it's this like dude around as a teenager, he's a hero, and you get to write his biopic with fucking DiCaprio in it. It's crazy. Nice. Oh, yeah. that's a, that's a, That would be, you know, every aspiring screenwriters you know dream to, to to follow someone like that you know especially someone who's so entrenched in you know from what i understand entrenched in the new york art scene and music scene and um at that point in time he imagine all the other people jim carroll was hanging out with totally you know, you know it's basquiat and shit probably fucking warhol was still kicking around back then i think to mm. a degree yep yeah and just all the all the musicians at that point in time too you know, through back the, when Times Square was all fucking shitty shooting yes. galleries and titty bars and fucking <laughs> now it's ESPN zones and fucking Size bar. <laughs> yeah, Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's both for are, the both better, are pretty awesome in their own yeah. ways. Yeah, <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> I was better. <laughs> I was going to lament it, but then I'm like, mm, both, uh, can Can't we get you just have both? <laughs> right. <laughs> You should shoot heroin. There you go. go Buffalo ESPN Wild zone. Wings right next to the fucking yeah. port. <laughs> yes. and topless waitresses at BW3. Man. Yes. Perfect. perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> I'd be there. Um, Jim Carroll said he had no idea who Leonardo DiCaprio was until he realized he was the kid from Growing Pains. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, uh, but when he met him, he said, this kid has a lot of presence. I think he's very pretty, but he's going to do really well at the role just cool and this is where i read that mark Rocky. Wahlberg had to read for the part six times because leo didn't want a minute <laughs> he had been in one movie prior 1994's renaissance man which if i remember right that's the one with danny devito where he's like running a military school for boys or some shit or i don't know something like that you want to tell your marky mark story Oh yeah. Well, it's not my story. It buzzes out on it. <laughs> it's a friend. Yeah, I don't think we're that deep, unfortunately. But uh, uh, 
a friend of no, a friend, or a, a friend of mine in the military, another Air Force story. This guy, Jim Metcalf, he had a Marky Mark story, and it's a short one, but it's got a great punchline where he was out drinking one night in South Carolina, North Carolina, whichever Carolina he was from in the 90s. And this was back when Marky Mark was in the funky bunch, right? Good vibrations, all that shit. And he said, they were all sitting there just Marky Mark and his entourage, these fucking flamboyant characters. He's like the only white one in the crew and shit. And he said he got hammered and he just kept looking at Marky Mark. And eventually his buddies, they were just all shit talking him, you know? And they were like, you got to go fucking tell him he sucks, man. Tell him he sucks. So he fucking weaves his way over there. Hey, man, your fucking music sucks, dude. And he said, man... I got the shit kicked out of me. And I was like, you got your ass kicked by Marky Mark? He's like, no, the funky bunch, man. The funky bunch kicked the shit out of me. <laughs> got his ass beat by the funky bunch while Marky Mark watched. <laughs> Hilarious. Marky dude. Mark had the funky bunch kick his ass. Yes. He probably just waved his hand. back and shit. watched. Yeah. <laughs> you know what to do. Taking my beating from Marky Mark, man. <laughs> well, Marky Mark has that famous history of like, a racial hate crime where he just attacked these Asian dudes and blinded one of them for life and shit. Oh yeah, he almost killed them. Mm-hmm. Somehow, you know. Now he's gonna make Christian movies. He said faith movies. Yeah, I mean, when he's coming out and saying that Boogie Nights is one of his worst regrets, I'm like, come oh on. Oh my man. god, it should be his greatest <laughs> fucking pride. I can't anybody else is Dirk Diggler? You know, I just no. right. Come on. Not only that, it's one of the great cinematic achievements of all fucking time. Yeah, the movie is sick. That one scene with the firecrackers, from my money, is the baddest mm. scene in the history of fucking movies. No, it is. It is. It's classic. And like, yeah, he's he's. Uh, I mean, he's got kids. He's one of those people, though, man. Just tell your kids the truth. I was a right. piece of shit. Now I'm trying to be better. You're the reason why. Right. I tell my kid the truth. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, dad. Dad used to be like this, you know, and did these things. But right, <laughs> you know, what was his uh, most recent family movie? He's like, oh, I was so happy that I could have my kids come and see my, you know, my movie all the way through. And it's like, man, like right, wrong, and different. You should be proud of of the work you produced. Right. Uh, even, even good vibrations, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is hilarious to continue that little point about. Leo not wanting him in the movie. It says uh, DiCaprio initially refused to work with him. Leonardo said, no way. I'm not making a fucking movie with Marky Mark. Wahlberg recalled in 2015, it didn't help that at an MTV rock and jock basketball game, Wahlberg blocked a shot by DiCaprio. Oh, I want to find the footage of this shit. Oh, while, shit. In it, while in his underwear and while being a self-admitted prick about it, it also didn't help <laughs> that... <laughs> It also didn't help that Wahlberg was eight hours late to his first reading with DiCaprio. Uh, Wow. Man. (laughs) Hilarious. Well, because Leo was so skinny. He was like skinny fat, like no muscle tone and shit. And Wahlberg's just ripped. He probably hated him on that basis too, you know? Oh, absolutely. Mark Wahlberg's like the size of two Leos in this movie. Yeah, he's a beast, dude. Oh, absolutely. Which is kind of hilarious because he definitely doesn't look like a basketball player so much as a football player, but you know, small Catholic school and shit, you know, I could see him pulling out some boards and shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, athlete regardless, but yeah, yeah. He, uh, Leo plays a much better junkie. <laughs> yeah. Mark Wahlberg wasn't bad in it. No. Nah. I mean, he's good as a. Well, there's just certain roles for him yeah. that are just, you know, I think pretty natural for him. It doesn't require much of a stretch anyway, you know. 
Yeah, being a oh, piece yeah. of shit hooligan. Exactly. Yeah, playing yeah. a street kid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh shit, man! This right, right up my alley. <laughs> Whoever that kid was, the little Italian kid who was their buddy, Pedro mm-hmm. or whatever. He seemed Italian. Maybe it wasn't his name's was Pedro. I don't know, but uh, could have been Puerto Rican actually or something. But uh, I, I know his face from the '90s. He was in a bunch of shit, but I, yeah. I can't remember his name. He was good in it too. He's the guy who pukes on big pussy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Fucking fairy scene. They're, they're huffing carbola cleaning fluid on the on the on the ferry. Yeah. Yes. Which <laughs> I did go and I looked up a PDF of Basketball Diaries and started reading it just to see what it's like. I did that like last week before we were gonna record this before. And he uh that is one of the first it's written basically as vignettes. It is a diary. It's true, like mm-hmm. today we fucking huffed this on the ferry to, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh that was one of the first entries, if not the first entry in it. Right, and I believe they they quote that uh, Mark Wahlberg, you know, when he steals uh, his diary when you. He... Mm. Oh, oh, you lost your sound. You hit your yeah yeah yeah. Can you hear us? I don't think he can hear us either. We don't hear you, dude. Something went wrong. Hello. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Did okay. you mute yourself by accident? No, this for some reason I, my internet connection keeps going in, and I apologize about that. Well, That's we missed like, that last maybe twenty seconds or so. Yeah, you were going off. What were you saying? <laughs> so I was, I was saying how the it's a direct passage, you know, um, when that that initial uh, diary entry when they're on the ferry, and you mm. know, he's talking about his experience, mm-hmm. um, and the, the, when Mark Wahlberg steals his his diary in the in the movie. Uh, he he quotes that passage about you know uh, huffing and and what the effects of it are and yeah. uh, and, and uh, that's why I love how they tie you know a lot of the stuff from it in the actual movie. I never huffed that kind of shit, but I did have a phase where I fucked a few cans yeah, of dust, dust off. off. <laughs> <laughs> that shit's a trip too, man. You oh, ever yeah. hit dust it off? Holy crazy shit. <laughs> Kids don't hit dust off. Bro. No. <laughs> Makes your voice get all <laughs> deep and fucking that. weird. <laughs> yeah. And don't do that shit standing up if you do. <laughs> oh, man. When I was in the Air Force, I was trying to get, you know, a mental disorder discharge or whatever. So I had elevated everything in my room. I went and got dressers from like the storage room in the barracks and I elevated my couch like three feet and drilled my coffee tabletop, everything was like, like three feet higher in my room, you know, so you had to climb up like steps to get on the couch and shit. It was just trippy, man. My TV, I put in the top corner of the room. So, but when this dude was sitting there huffing some dust off once on the couch and just <laughs> hit his head on that coffee table and then fell like three or four feet to the fucking floor. And he was out, dude. I was on got him up like 10 times. Okay. He kept saying, did I hit my head on something? Like, dude, <laughs> throughout the whole night. So eventually we took this chick's lipstick and took him back to his room and put him in bed and wrote on his mirror, you did dust off and hit your head. <laughs> and we went to the bar drinking and left him there. <laughs> I was at a party. I was at a party once where we were in the other room and we heard this crash and we went into the, the room where we, it came from and it was this hole in the wall and this like tall dude, I think his name was Joe, had just done some whippets same you know saying that's what they called it too and uh had just like fallen and hit his head on the wall so there was just like this circle in the wall where his head had hit it and he was just laying on the ground 
wasn't it like close shit. to the floor though the hole like it was like yeah it was like weird, like he had fallen and then it like hit right there at the end, like base <laughs> almost of the wall and yeah it was kind of comedic like i think we even laughed and shit even though it was like I mean, he, he wasn't that hurt i mean it's just like drywall you know but it was more <laughs> the uh i think the whippets fucked him up more than the fucking hitting the wall did yeah oh youth yeah yeah Parting 90, uh, well that that's nitrous oxide right um which they give you at the dentist sometimes i did as a kid i remember and it was if you get awesome, the real dude. shit but a lot of people yeah, they call like it whip metered out, you know, whipped yeah. cream cans and shit oh know? yeah yeah it's like oh, yeah, you're getting yeah, this yeah. whammy but um but it, it was like floating on the cloud of titties man as a kid i remember just like <laughs> feeling like i was just on a raft out in the ocean just not a care in the world just oh, it, was a be- it was beautiful man that's the problem with um, drugs. You, you like, hear about dentists who get hooked on their own supply. Yeah. <laughs> it's just fucking oh, hilarious. Yeah. I want to see that movie. Field. I mean, it's I write yeah, that movie. Yes. would like to admit mm. pharmaceutical uses is, is yeah. <laughs> Again, it sucks because it is cool. And I feel like a rite of passage, everyone should tinker with their consciousness and experiment with shit, but you just don't know if you got that gene or you're one of those people that are gonna get hooked so it is a dangerous game to play and i get people who are straight edge for life and just never open that door but at the same time i think it was abby hoffman who said i don't trust anyone who's never tried acid once (laughs) 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 it's like i mean if you're not if you're such a control freak you can't lose your shit for a minute take a ride you know that was his point but uh yeah i mean and LSD isn't like heroin and stuff where you get that like addicted in the same way mm-hmm. and stuff, you know, it's oftentimes people like kind of, you know, look at the next experience as like something they have to prepare themselves for, you know, not like, that was so awesome. I want to do it again right away. You know what I mean? What's your favorite but, scene in the movie? Do you have one? Um, I would. I don't know. Probably. Uh, Probably when they're jumping off the cliff and they're they're, oh, yeah. they're staring at each other and, and Pedro's you know sitting there uh, saying he's just gonna walk down and um, you know it's kind of one of those uh, one of those kind of scenes that you know you're just like with you know, growing up with a group of friends you know, moment like, in time that, so, yeah pure yeah. pressure type of yeah it felt very authentic and it wasn't even about drugs and shit really that's what's interesting that that would be your favorite scene that that scene's more just about right. It, it is. It's about the, the camaraderie that these these kids had at one point in time, you know, and and as mm-hmm. as a close grit knit group of friends, and uh, you know, help dealing with with uh, uh, you know those issues growing up, and and kind of carrying each other, you know, mm-hmm. like you know, you know, you're gonna get a hazing, but it's it's more out of out of Mm-hmm. you know love and and brotherhood than anything else yeah that's the thing your friends in busting each other's balls your friends your dad whatever like that's supposed to help armor you to real bullies and shit you know yeah but nowadays we don't even allow our kids to bust each other's balls and shit you know what i mean it's- oh yeah it's it's it, it's uh you know the the era of, of participation trophies and and um, hugs and kisses and, mm-hmm. and you know 
it's not doing a lot of the youth favor uh, preparing for for life and right it's well-meaning but misguided probably absolutely like you know i don't think kids should get you know bullied in and and get their asses kicked on a daily basis but you know some competition and a little hazing and uh you know shit talking isn't necessarily a bad thing right (laughs) learn to take a shot learn to give one yeah absolutely absolutely you know it's, it's gonna like i said it's uh not going to prepare them for, for life. And then they, you know, they, they graduate or, or, you know, whatever they do, become an adult. And it's, uh, that's, that's when they, they have to really grow up 10 times, you know, more than what we had to do because we, you know, actually got to do that as kids. Mm -hmm. That cliff scene back to that, which do you think you would have been a Pedro? Do you think you would have been a Marky Mark just jumping first? Do you think you would, you know, been doing backflips or scared to jump or what? Uh, no, I mean, I, I would have definitely jumped. I mean, we've had, uh, I've, I've jumped off of uh, plenty of cliffs and out of perfectly good airplanes and, mm, uh, right. you know, that was the one, one of the, you know, like next to, next to doing, you know, drugs, you know, that adrenaline high, you know, that's, that's part of it. What about you, Chris? Would you jump off that shit? Hell no. No, I'm kidding. I might, I might, I've, I've you know, jumped off of high diving boards, uh, done like the swing rope that went kind of high and jumped off and stuff. I feel like I, I, I do it, but I'd be fucking terrified at the same time. But, I jumped uh, drunk I off that bridge by your place over in Lydell that one night by myself, but uh, it wasn't that high. And I think we jumped off a couple bridges. Me and Steve yeah, Stephenson I remember doing jumped it. off one up in New Hampshire, specific. but nothing that high, though. And I am yeah. a bitch nowadays. As I get older. <laughs> now I wouldn't. No, hell no. Not now. But at yeah. that age, I might have. Dude, know. I'm so fat but now. It would have been pure the pressure. fucking river <laughs> if I jumped with a splash and shit. But uh, yeah, it, it is interesting how the older I get, the more of a bitch I become. About yeah, skydiving doesn't appeal things. to me. That, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah there's certain things that. I'll that's pat, take a pass on that. <laughs> You know, yeah, I catch myself, uh, yeah, e- easing up off of certain things. It's like, man, I didn't, you know, one, it's, it's going back to being a parent, too. You know, like, yeah, like, I can't take those certain risks anymore because, mm-hmm. you know, I got this little dude that depends on me. You know? Are you, see, I got like anxiety and shit. And I mean, I remember, I remember as a kid being fearless, not scared of heights and then going down crazy water slides i had no business yeah. on but our mom had anxiety and she imparted it into us i think to a degree mm-hmm. and then uh as i just get older and more out of shape and shit like and i find myself though yeah. having a the fight world induces anxiety too as you yeah definitely but being exposed parent, to it the responsibility of being a parent the anxiety of that too hit me hard so i find myself helicopter parenting be careful don't do this you're gonna fall but then i gotta pull back from that because i don't want to impart the shit into him when you're parenting do you find yourself like climb that tall thing or are you trying to protect them more and shit oh no i'm i'm a total helicopter parent mm-hmm. and i have to totally check myself on yeah. it because it's it, it you know like i i he needs to be have a childhood and be a nine-year-old boy and i'm not going to be able to be, protect him and, and exactly and, He's gonna crash his bike. He's he's gonna go out into the park and get in fights, and and it's lessons he's gonna have to learn, you know. Yeah. But and we it, ran wild with kids. Yeah, I mean, Chris and I were latchkey kids in a bad neighborhood with no supervision. We'd run around with dangerous motherfuckers around yeah. doing whatever we wanted, you know, 
yeah yeah that's that's it and and we didn't have cell phones to track and and Mm -hmm. all of that Mm -hmm. i know it's wild Um, when you think back on it yeah oh yeah it it was literally the street lights you know when the street lights came on or you saw you know fireflies Mm -hmm. and And everyone i feel like was better off for that but i do feel too when people say they talk about like how their parents whip the shit out of them or whatever. We turned out right. fine. It's like, yeah, most of you are fucked yeah. up. Oh most yeah, of fucked up. <laughs> yeah, the people that took a beat, yeah, though probably not not all. Right. <laughs> um, man, let me look at my film facts again because there was some good shit on here. Oh, here's a interesting thing. Reggie was the one character in the movie never mentioned in the book. So someone who read the book, Reggie's the character played by Ernie Hudson who kind of helps him come out of it. Yeah, and that yeah, there's um that that whole that whole part was was not whole part. I mean, it was pretty small in the movie, so to speak, but yeah, a little vignette sequence sort of thing, yeah. You know, but yeah, it the, the like his basketball game, you know, that never ended. You know, when they never kept score, mm-hmm. you know, that was, you know, super factual. But uh, I actually like that. Though. That's a cool sentiment. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, absolutely. I, I, that's why I appreciated that that part of the. You know, they didn't. It, it could have happened in the book. Is 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 mm-hmm. what we, you know, uh, it fit in his world. He just didn't mention it in the book or something. Maybe. But right. was there anybody who helped him get clean or try to get clean? Because that's what was actually great about that. Is there's this sequence where. Ernie Hudson plays this character, Reggie, who's a former addict himself, and he finds him broken and covered in piss and shit, laying in the snow, freezing to death, and he takes him in, and he detoxes him for like three days. He locks him in this room, and he flushes his junk and shit, but it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. He escapes to go get his dick sucked and get some money. Robs him, and yeah. 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 So, yeah, it really, uh, Rikers Island was <laughs> to thank for getting Jim Carroll clean is, uh, he ended Ooh. up getting in trouble and, and yeah, I kind of wish they did it that way, honestly. Well, yeah. th- th- this character though, wasn't responsible for getting him clean either. So it was more of a, just again, like a sequence because, you know, he still stole from him and all that and, you know, ran off. So. You know, I guess it's you know. Yeah, how did he get clean in the movie? Yeah, well, in the movie, took I don't remember. But I'm trying to. It's been like a week and yeah. a half since I watched it. You think he touches base on on getting in trouble? And yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so it was. It just wasn't like directly shown. Yeah. Fine. We probably didn't need prison scenes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, shit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and okay. Um, uh, and then yeah, then it cuts to him. Uh, you know, obviously doing poetry, um, or stand up poetry. And, uh, and that's what that's what developed in when he was in Rikers Island is mm. his writing, you know, to kill There's so many greats, Eddie Bunker, um, Jean Genet. There's like a history of guys, um, Pinheiro, Miguel Pinheiro, you know, the New Yorkian poet. Mm-hmm. These guys went to prison and in prison started writing and shit and came out He's as writers in spare time, I guess. Had whole different lives, you know, went from criminals to outlaw authors, which is pretty fucking dope. Mm-hmm. It's kind oh, of like yeah. Danny Trejo. The fact that you're that. in prison means, yeah, and the fact that you're in prison means you've experienced some shit. So you right. got you're writing with authenticity and shit. Yeah. It gives you clout right off the bat. Absolutely. Um, mm. 
Oh, here's a fact that Chris already nailed. Three future Soprano stars. Um, here's a good one. Speaking of kids, Larry Clark's kids. Chloe's 70, right? You know, the actress. She's awesome. She is. It says in Jay McInerney's New Yorker profile of the then 20-year-old It Girl, he documented the time 70, however you pronounce her name, a fan of Jim Carroll's work, approached him in the East Mm -hmm. Village and told him, you can't let them do this. She told Jim Carroll, you can't let them make this movie. Oh, shit. (laughs) McInerney elaborated that she was worried the film would violate the spirit of the book and reported that she rolled her eyes at the thought of Marky Mark being involved in the project. (laughs) (laughs) He can't get a break. No respect. Of this whole film, man. Like, the financier like was a huge Marky Mark fan. He's the only Mm. reason it got made and shit. (laughs) I would like to see, though, what she thought of the finished product. Right. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that would be a good question. And not only now or then, but now, like she yeah. might have still hated it then because, you know, Marky Mark, but maybe looking back at it 20 years later, she could see it for what it is, you know? Well, it's like, I wonder if Marky Mark, like, uh, regrets, you know, his role in this now in, in portrayal, if he if he regrets, you know, Boogie Nights. Mm. <laughs> well, here's one person who didn't like the movie, Jim Carroll. Oh, shit. It says, while he thought the performances were really good, particularly DiCaprio and Wahlberg's, Carol took issue with the movie's ending. If they just ended it with him staring out the window, I think it would have worked. It would have been very literary. The way they reshot it was kind of corny, so clean and everything. Mm. He also didn't agree with Calvert's direction, but the director was just a techno freak. He didn't have any literary sense at all. One night during production, Carol had a real blowout with Calvert, and DiCaprio seemingly took Carol's side and left the set. But he just had a creme brulee and returned. That's this. <laughs> this is That's what Carroll said. To calm himself down. Jim Carroll says, but he just had a creme brulee and returned. Once I lost his cachet, my leverage went way down. So, ah, hilarious! A creme brulee. This fucking actor playing this heroin addict. And cut. Yeah. Can I get a creme brulee? Craft services. Reggie, I need a creme brulee. It's hard to mom. It's hard to stay I'm indignant. It's hard to stay indignant after a creme brulee. (laughs) Amazing. He said he was happy about the movie because it got more people to read the book and it got like reprinted Mm. and shit, you know. But he did miss the movie's premiere at Sundance. Interesting. It says Jim Carroll missed the movie's premiere at Sundance. He had to stay in New York City and meet with a Vatican Monsignor who investigates miracles, quote unquote, like the image of Christ burnt into a tortilla. For research of some Boy, other project asshole. he was working on, <laughs> so, <laughs> hilarious. That's wild. Sundance, um, yeah. Probably Monsignor from the Vatican who investigated. I probably would have went with the Monsignor. Absolutely, that sounds fascinating. Yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get more bang for your buck with the Monsignor from the Vatican. <laughs> totally. Instead of a bunch of creme brulee eating motherfucker and pansies. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna self-important. Yeah. <laughs> Sucking their own dicks at Sundance, thinking they changed the world with this movie about your life that they wanted to set in Seattle and make you not addicted to drugs in. Oh my God. <laughs> Our next episode after this is going on a show talking about all the Hollywood bullshit. So this uh this feeds right into that, man. How they just like the, the development execs and stuff, like they just get their hands on it and just the things they want to do with it, like what well, are you thinking? What it what it what it is to what what they want to develop yeah, as is not all of them, of course, but you know, it's just 
to see his criticisms of the movie and scott calvert the music video director i'm sure the guy didn't have a great literary sense Mm -hmm. though he did compare it to catcher in the rye and shit at least he had some but uh (laughs) to me i think they all nailed it man when i look at just youthful energy just trying to make this movie scrapping it together probably on no budget running around new york city guerrilla style i think it's fucking great man i'd hate to see a remake of it yeah yeah i don't i don't think you could i mean in in the fact that they were you know they 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 did it with the the 90s vibe you know and they didn't really try and make it set in the 70s you know right no point that they were like trying to to you know make it look like that era and i don't think you would be able to like the way they filmed it like you said the gorilla style with you know new york in the background alive like they weren't shutting streets down you know right yeah which is another reason you know it was smart to just set it in the 90s for budget concerns that's the thing when you make a period piece production people don't realize you got to shut the street down you got to change street signs you got to change you got to make sure everyone's wearing period clothes the only cars that come through a period that shit's a pain is it worth it rarely for a movie like this it's not about the period it's about the spirit of it you know absolutely so would this be your desert island movie if you were stuck on a desert island would this be what you want to take with you the one movie or do you have something else you would pick did we lose you he's kind of there no sound okay sorry there there you are i'm back my bad (laughs) Sorry, it's just like dealing with a heroin addict. You nod it off for a second. <laughs> Your internet keeps nodding off like Artie. I should have had my... <laughs> Be honest, you were shooting up in your dick off camera. <laughs> Track marks. That's why I really identify with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and after this, he's going to go let some dude suck his dick in the park for 20 bucks. Uh, right. For free. See if Houston has a subway somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they got some dudes who suck your dick for money, but <laughs> to give you money. That's the best part. I always love that actually. Right. They pay like, to suck it. <laughs> they pay to suck it. <laughs> huh. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> if you're a heroin addict, how gay does that make you? It doesn't really make you gay. You're just a victim. Right. It's economical sense. Right. <laughs> it's good to know that's out there. I mean, I guess it helps to look like a young Leo. <laughs> find it up homeless so these days i probably don't have much luck on the <laughs> right. getting paid to let someone suck my dick have front. to get a dude into bears <laughs> anyway, bear chris was asking about the desert island shit would this be your desert island movie um probably not yeah there's things That's, to consider that, <laughs> i know i was like, like how could it be you know like what a downer <laughs> shit <laughs> so what would it be do you know it'd be like Eddie, foraging on the island it. looking for poppy seeds and shit and just... <laughs> yeah yeah and it... like the, the bear grills like <laughs> <laughs> might be some good cliff jumping at least but uh well yeah. we've thought this out before and at one point we came to the conclusion that revenge of the nerds would be our island movie because first off you're on an island alone no women so you got enough tits and everything in the movie that handles that. So you got jerk off material. Plus it's funny. Plus it's got, got a like concert at the heart. End. It's got an underdog. It's got great music. It's got the underdog mm-hmm. thing where maybe you'll get off the stinking Island or whatever. Checks you know, a so lot of boxes. Checks a lot of boxes for a desert Island movie. And then Howard Stern's private parts for us checks a lot of those same boxes. Yeah. 
Yeah, those are both both outstanding choices. I mean, you, you, like you said, you cover the spectrum. You know, you got you got your spank bank material. You got you know, the, the, the comedic value. Yeah, know. something with heart. You know, kind of optimistic, yeah. like life affirming. You know, you, that you yeah. would you know makes you want to keep going. You know, I love that people ask this question about your desert island movie when there's like no electricity on the island. Ah. Like, how are you going to watch ah. this? Shit? So anyway. You get one solar powered <laughs> DVD. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah you get to stream one movie consistently that's it which the smart choice would be a documentary on how to build a boat you know (laughs) get the fuck off castaway is a good choice we've (laughs) discussed yeah yeah there's yeah i'm not sure how accurate some of that survival shit is yeah right well, and Castaway depends on a plane crashing near you and all these materials right. washing up that you can Yeah, use I wouldn't choose shit. Castaway. It's like too much of what you're already experiencing. Like, it doesn't exactly give you the escape, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, plan, you know. I would just get depressed because I don't have a volleyball to talk to. Exactly. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, you'll be hallucinating one. Yeah, I don't have that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Castaway's a good movie, though. Tom Hanks yeah. is awesome. Wilson. I built fire, me. The fire seems great. Yes. Yes. This buzzer's got to be kicking in. I know it's got to be close. I don't want to look. I've <laughs> look been trying not to look. Should I look? <laughs> not that I. I <laughs> what are you into now? Like, what do you do for a living? Or do you have any kind of projects going on? What What's your What's your shit? Yeah, you seem pretty successful as far as just being a professional type dude. Because, like I said, when I met you, it's like hammered after Brewers games and shit. You know, young kid. <laughs> So I'm pretty much cool still doing see. the same thing. Yeah, still so, uh, uh, games. You know, obviously having a son really, you know, that that's what made me uh stop, you know, getting completely wasted at Brewers games and, and Packers. <laughs> and, but uh, when he's away for a weekend. Oh yeah, no, that definitely, you know, how old is he? He's 9. Okay. Yeah, so you got to have, you know, you still got to find that balance, but uh yeah, no, I uh, I work for UPS in in Houston. They I was in Seattle, and um, you know, I they they offered me a promotion to move down here, um, in the middle of COVID last year, and uh, just kind of made sense for 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 me and Caleb and and you know what they were offering. So it was, a lot of the times, just been getting settled here and and getting exploring the Houston area and mm. making friends and, um, but. Texas has some cool things about it, man. It catches a bad rap with liberals and shit. And there are some fucked up things about it for sure. But I enjoy Texas for what it is. Turning more and more liberal. Um, And then there's like our parents live in San Antonio and, you know, Austin and San Antonio are a bit different than like East Texas or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, like well, you know, Jay and I went to Galveston a few times to uh, see our dad, our natural dad. I don't know if you know that whole story. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, we we were in the area you're in a couple times. Got to watch out for those floods, though, homes. Yeah, yeah. hurricanes. Yeah. yeah, that's the weather down here is insane. Oh, I'll, I'll say that. Like yeah, I didn't. Pretty humid. A deep freeze, and then you know hailstorms and hurricane. Flooding. Yeah, that was rare too. That's. Yeah, that was. I was like, what the hell, man? I was like, I I I moved down here for the warm weather. <laughs> Trading that recreational weed for Texas policies would hurt too a bit, but what are you going to do? 
Yeah, yeah. Within, mm-hmm. within time, you know, the, the you know the country will will move. Yeah, that just be thawing. Yeah, Dude, it's looking like Wisconsin might be one of the last fucking holdouts. This place is crazy. The places where all my people were. I'm in California, so it was one of the first. But I, we're like Jay's, you know, in Wisconsin. My parents are in Texas. All my people were in uh these this like the last holdouts. Yeah. <laughs> the hell. Yeah, that's it, that's a, a huge difference from moving from Washington to to here. You know, one of the the main ones, mm. but. Um, like you said, it, it's be, the policies are becoming more liberal and, and Texas, you know, I, I grew up like thinking the same thing. Like it's just, you know, a redneck state and, uh, it's not, I mean, the Houston Metro areas, there's so much culture and so many, so many different things to go see in, in, in art galleries and music. Yeah, Houston's dope, man. You know. Total melting pot too, especially yeah. Oh yeah. after Katrina and a lot of people went to Houston from New Orleans, so you got some of that. (laughs) 